Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 143rd episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site and one of your hosts for this episode. And this week, we are not going to be quiet. We are going to be silent because we are talking about the first two episodes of HBO's brand new runaway smash hit series, The Last of Us, the adaptation of the classic video game. Of course, like I said, my name is Bill Buck and joining us as always is uh, our favorite clicker. Uh, he is also going to be hosting our pregame segment from now until when he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. Mr. Al Manorino, what's going on, bud? Nothing much, man. It's been a week and it's not over yet. So yeah. this has been this has been a crazy week. This is it's 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 not good. Um no, no it's the shits. <laughs> uh but you know what isn't the shits? Our next our next person we're gonna introduce you to the human Star Wars encyclopedia. And I'm happy to officially announce she will be not only hosting but producing and booking the guests for our Mandalorian season three review series. No pressure. Amanda Rivas, what's going on? Well, I'm glad I am not the shits. So that's that's a that's shits. a good that's a that's a I'm I'm happy with that. And I am that excited. That was Ryan, DeMar- Ryan DeMarco. That he's the shits. There you go. I was like, that was last. Week. I love him though. <laughs> yeah, but this is awesome. I'm excited. So. And finally, joining us is our favorite geriatric millennial daddy. You might know this person from their guest spot on our highly listened to Sandman podcast, the former social media guru uh, of the popbreak.com, Alicia Weinberger. Welcome. It has been a minute. Uh, how is House of Trades treating you? Oh, it's amazing. Hello, my ladies, my laddies, my non-binary baddies. Oh, remember. God, she's <laughs> even got a catchphrase. Welcome. Daddy is a state of mind. Always remember that. Oh, trust me. I know. I know, indeed. <laughs> I'm doing so, well. How are you guys? We're doing great, uh, Alicia. We're, uh, Alicia had to be on this podcast. She she said in a text to me, if you don't put me on this podcast, that is the definition of cultural appropriation. And I said, <laughs> I've already told you three times you're going to be on the show. Why are you threatening me? And she's like, just reminding you. Just reminding you. Uh, so, Alicia, as always, it's a joy just to see your face and oh. to be on a podcast with you again. But before we get into the main event, which is the last, the first two episodes of The Last of Us, Al, let's pregame. Yeah, so, you know, we usually start the pod with, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of news discussion about, usually it's something positive, like a, a new trailer or a series announcement or the Oscars. Uh, we could be talking about Oscar nominations right now, uh, but honestly, that's been done to death. We're going to talk about uh, Rick and Morty. And uh, Justin Roiland uh, getting this stanky boot, uh, deservedly so, uh, after uh, some allegations, not just allegations, but like actual like like court cases, crazy stuff um, uh, to coming to light, grooming, all the stuff you don't want to hear about, um, you know, one of the Internet's favorite creators, Rick and Morty being one of the most popular shows out there. So I know, uh, Alicia, you are a big Rick and Morty fan. We've talked about Rick and Morty in the past before. Um, you know, <clears throat> Bill prepared a couple questions for me because I uh, am not the prepared one on this podcast. But, you know, just like, what do you think this means for the future of the show? I, th- I think it's renewed for at least the next three seasons. So and it is um, 
Adult Swim's like main attraction, one of the most popular animated series out there. But it is now going to be without its co-creator and like lead voice guy. Uh, just what what are your just thoughts? Are you still going to be tuning in? Like what just what are your thoughts after all this came out? I mean, like, well, first off, fuck them. But uh, thank you. Cheers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, the reality of it is, guys, I mean, like with any kind of production, whether it's TV or movies, I mean, you have a, a writer's room. I mean, Justin Roiland isn't he's not fucking directing and writing every single episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to go on. Um, yeah, I will probably still be watching it. I mean, it, hopefully that doesn't mean that's more money in his pocket in some way. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, The Simpsons have been on for, I don't know, 40 fucking years and people have literally died during the production of that show and it still goes on and it's fine. Uh, The Simpsons started when I was in second grade. I have a child who's in second grade. That is how long that fucking show has been on for forever. Uh, At least a hundred years. Amanda, were were you a fan of Rick and Morty? I'm going to say probably. Uh, But on top of that, kind of the same question, just like, your thoughts on everything. Are you still going to be watching? Do you think it's still the sh- same show without this horrible man? Well, I, I'm with Alicia. Fuck him. He's Again. trash. Yeah. So <laughs> trash, trash human being. So, um, so honestly, I was around Rick and Morty. I just never really paid attention to it. It wasn't always my radar. Just it, it, it wasn't something I regularly watched, mm-hmm. but I knew about it. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's still going to go on. There are, there's so many other talented, you know, voice actors out there. Yes, it's going to be different, but at the same time, you know, hopefully the show evolves into something better and, and it goes in a a more positive direction without the stank um, on it. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's going to continue and, and I think people are still going to tune in. Will I tune in? Probably not because it's again, not been on my radar, but um, I wish everybody else there all the best. And uh, I'm with Alicia too, where I hope it doesn't line that trash man's pocket somehow. But <laughs> if it doesn't, then great. <laughs> I mean, Bill, I know you're not generally a, a, a Rick and Morty fan. Never really got into it. No, oh, I've I've watched it. You um, watched a couple? Yeah, I've watched it. I've I've seen the Pickle Rick episode. I know what the kids are talking about a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I've actually seen quite a few episodes of it, and I've enjoyed it. But uh, I've fallen off in the past few years, and uh, quite frankly. Um, you know, this show is like it's like any animated series. It could be on and just not be as culturally relevant as it was. You know, Family Guy's been on forever, South Park's been on forever, Simpsons, and this could go on, or it could just because the voice actors have changed so much, people might just be like, ah, I don't want to be associated with the show, and I could see it last season, next season, last season. Although if the fans had their way and Dana DeVito and Charlie Day take over the roles, uh, ah, that'd be good. Uh, there's that, sh- that show will last for 50 years um, because Danny DeVito will never leave us. Oh, so, gosh, that would be back. that would be amazing. So, I mean, uh, you know, Bill, you, you put a question here about um, Justin's other shows. Uh, yeah, that he's Solar Opposites. Solar Opposites, Koala Man. I have not watched either. I've heard good things about both Solar opposites yeah uh actually both. i've heard good things about quality too so um i i, I don't know i mean I, i'm gonna guess if they're gonna follow suit because they're uh one's uh fox i believe fx fx Quala, man. and yeah. solar opposites is hulu 
I believe. Sure. So I think it is. So I think it's a Hulu show. So yeah, I'm going to say that they're probably going to follow suit unless, you know, the ratings are not there and they'll probably tank those shows. And, you know, Adult Swim is not going to do that with Rick and Morty. I just, I guess my question before we, we get into the good stuff with The Last of Us is, what does this do for the legacy of the show? With with a lot of um, these artists being um, canceled or, you know, things brought to light about them, um, I know people have, like, mixed reactions with their art that they've created. So, like, you know, at, you know, while Kanye was getting crazy, I was still listening to Kanye and waiting for his next music, which wasn't getting better. But at some point, I was just like, you know what? This guy is not good for anything right now. Obviously, he's mentally deranged, but like it literally has affected me having the ability to listen to his music and not get annoyed that I'm hearing him because I'm supporting him and he's not helping. So uh, I felt the same thing with uh, Brand New, the band Brand New. When oh, they uh, sucked the, anyway. Hey. Oh, your college he, girlfriend didn't listen to him every fucking second of the day. You can't keep blaming everything on your college girlfriend. That one <laughs> thing I can, that band sucked. <laughs> anyway. But no, also, like, I think um, my, I'll just jump in real quick. Is like, there are a lot of pieces that have come out since this about the jokes within Rick and Morty and how it's just like, hey, given this, yeah. look at these jokes. And that's where I was like, oh, shit, this is really terrible. And I don't think I can go back to this putting it in that context of just like seeing what he's done and a lot of stuff with summer and a lot of incest stuff. And you're just like, Oh yeah, no, I think I'm done with this. Show. I think I've washed my hands with this show altogether. Yeah. That's how I'm, I'm going to, and I'm not going to judge anyone that's like, Hey, I, I enjoyed the show. You know, um, at least she's one of my favorite people. So she mm-hmm. enjoys the show. I'm not going to choose. Like, I'm going to go back to it. I'll be like, you're not my favorite geriatric millennial daddy. You're, the number two now you know no obviously not but it's just like i just can't go back to it myself Mm -hmm. do you guys feel the same like or or different like alicia will you still be able to enjoy rick and morty post this happening like can you go back and watch pickle rick and and still laugh and enjoy it or is it gonna is there something that's gonna bother you and make you kind of not want to watch it well like I mean, I'd be a liar to say if I it didn't, right? It probably will, right? I mean, with yeah. any kind of like piece of media art or art in quotes, but I, I mean, shit changes, right? And the yeah. context of things changes. And like that being said, you know, you don't want to assume that like the creation and the context within the creation itself is necessarily reflective of reality. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, a lot like a talented woman wrote the pickle Rick episode. Yeah. Um, that being said, you want to assume it doesn't work that way, right? Like the people that are kind of being referential to this horrible character and his horrible traits, that's not necessarily a reflection of who they are Mm -hmm. in reality. I mean, that being said, I mean, like, I don't know, like, has anybody come out and done horrible things in the production of Bojack Horseman? I don't maybe I don't know I don't know about it but I was like, oh, right? shit, and I mean, like, there was an answer that, I'm like oh crap I don't know that being said I mean you know if somebody and not saying somebody has but if somebody has done something as horrible as Justin Roiland did from the production of 
BoJack Horseman, I mean, would we also still look back and say like, hey, those jokes that in writing that was accumulatively worked on by a bunch of staff, um, was that necessarily a reflection of the Mm-hmm. The, the creator or the main the, the perpetrator, so to speak. I, I mean, it's hard to say, right? I mean, these things change. And yeah, I, I mean, of course, I'm going to look back at these jokes and be like, oh, shit, like, all right, yeah, maybe it, it did go that way. And yeah, fuck, that's kind of fucked up, man. And the only thing is, I can hope that, you know, fuck it, the show gets canceled. It's a fucking cartoon, guys, at the end of the day. And I'd rather get a cartoon get canceled than some guy going around slapping women around like a fucking dick yeah but um that being said i mean if anything positive and i say positive in quotes can come out of this is it's hopefully going to launch a lot of people's careers who deservedly so a lot of talented writers or there's going to be a change of the guard and yeah will the writing style change of course and i don't think that's a bad thing i mean whether or not somebody did something horrible that will now mar the legacy of this show. I mean, shows change. Shows change tone all the time, especially long-running animated shows. They will change tonally, and and that is a good thing. That should be a thing. That should be a good thing. Yeah. It's unfortunate that the changing of the guard had to come out because of this fuckface's (laughs) decisions. The the one positive thing, potentially, that you could say is that it wasn't like we had five perfect seasons of Rick and Morty and it's going to go on as the greatest animated show of all time. And then all of this happened. It tarnishes the entire legacy of the show. Now with, we know at least three seasons uh, left in the can for that are left in the show with new voice actors replacing him it kind of gives it a nice reboot in yeah. a sense that it's like, yeah. fuck this guy. We we're going to keep making this show that you all love. We're just going to not have him in it. So it kind of, it's almost like the weirdest and, you know, unfortunate, but silver lining is that we're going to get more of the thing we like without the person that we don't. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. But enough about this piece of shit. Let's, oh, wow. let's 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 get into the main event and Bill, take it away. Yes, we are talking about The Last of Us. Of course, this debuted two weeks ago, airing Sundays on HBO and streaming on HBO Max right now. The Last of Us is the adaptation of the Naughty Dog video game, The Last of Us, Last of Us Part Two. And we go into our first segment, which I named in honor of Alicia. Of course, this is do as a scientist in Indonesia said. And that is uh, our hype in history with The Last of Us. Now, Alicia, you are our honored guest. Um, so I have a few questions for you heading into this before, because Alicia, you are going to have a, your whole a whole segment of you just talking about episode two's inclusion of Indonesia. A hundred percent. You would literally find me. You know where I live. And you would hurt me if I did not allow this. Alicia's been to my house before. Um, so what's your history with the game? I know you're a gamer. So like, were you you, you big into the game? I know there's a tall woman in the game. So I know that that's a bonus tall, points for you. Tall buff woman in oh, the second game. That's like, that's like better. bonus points. And I just want to add HBO. If anyone from HBO is listening to this, I've been getting buff. You know, I mean, I'm only five foot, but like, you know, you can you can put me in some heels. I'll get buff. I'll dye my hair blonde. So you know, someone want to 
cast me as Abby in season two, you know, I'll I'll punch some people. Just remember, yeah, we just get not, the first. We get the first interview. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll punch people in fiction, not in real life. Listen, yeah, if you give me the first interview thing. and you're on The Last of Us, you can punch me. I don't care. Or you can punch okay. me. It's fine. Not Amanda. <laughs> she's. We have to keep her safe. Um, yeah. No, she'll punch you back. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what's your what's your history with the game? Yeah, I mean, I played the game when it originally came out. Me, and my brother played it. He literally bought a PS3, a used PS3, just to play that game. We beat it, never touched the PS3 again, and then he sold it. And then years later, um, I played the DLC, and then uh, which will be crucial to the first season, by the way. So spoiler spoiler alert on that. Okay. And then I beat the second game uh, during the pandemic, and I know this is super corny, but the second game is very sentimental to me because I also beat it while. Uh, dating my first girlfriend who and I'm oh yeah cute she's great and uh, yeah she is great she's such a I never met her but she just seems great yeah she's such a peanut I love her <laughs> but yeah I, I love the game decidedly so taller love... than you but let's call her peanut okay yeah <laughs> there's a yeah there's a there's a weird track record here isn't there <laughs> <laughs> setting a president oh uh, uh but so but based on the fact you this game this game means so much to you especially the second one. Were you concerned, given the fact that Hollywood has had this long, illustrious track record of completely botching adaptations to the big and small screen when it comes to video games? Well, I want to address that, this whole video game adaptation curse thing. First, I've seen Street I, Fighter. You see Street Fighter. <laughs> it <which> sucks. <laughs> listen, I don't know what anyone's fucking talking about because Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the best goddamn movie in the world. Um, is that prepare? Is this, when Christopher Lambert yeah. is Raiden? Yes. No, it fucked that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh man! But no, I it's mean, James Remar. James Remar. Christopher Lambert is the first one. James yeah, Remar. Yes, first one. I was like, yeah. oh, James, yeah, no, fuck James Remar in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, of course, I was worried, right? I mean. Originally, there was a movie that was supposed to come out. They actually yes. wanted to adapt this to a movie that Neil Druckmann, who's the creator of the game, was tied to. And I guess it just it just failed. There was just too much executive meddling. And I mean, there are some great video game adaptations out there. Um, I mean, we have Castlevania. We have the Arcane mm -hmm. series. Those shows just happen to be animated. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, I will get on my soapbox about animation any fucking day. And I think honestly, animation is the best way to adapt a video game, depending yeah. on what that video game is, of course. Um, but I was not as concerned for The Last of Us because if you play the game, it's pretty cinematic, right? It's pretty narrative driven. And I think the problem is with a lot of video game adaptations, why so many of them fucking suck is because they're trying to adapt this fantasy world that throws you in and you know, it's a different interaction, right? You're you're interacting with it differently than you would a film or a book or whatever. And you're thrown into this complete power fantasy. And the problem is with live action adaptations is they try to overly explain shit, right? And they try to explain literal game mechanics and make them literal to this world, this movie, yeah. this live action movie. And when the case of The Last of Us, I mean, you don't really have a lot of that right you're just an old guy with bad knees and you have a gun and you have an adopted kid and you just go and, and there we go so yeah i mean there's a dog um 
I was a little worried, but not as worried as let's say they were trying to adapt something like Resident Evil, which is a lot more fantastical and has a long track record of being kind of shitty in terms of adaptations. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So your hype level for this when you saw that trailer was, I can assume, was pretty high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I was probably watching it on the toilet on my phone or something, which is gross. Same. Don't do that, people, but I do it. I and do. I probably yelled like, Fuck yeah, too. like really loud. That's why you're our favorite geriatric uh, millennial daddy. Um, <laughs> forever. Uh, Amanda, I know you love video games, but are not the biggest fan of horror video games, as you explained yeah. to me. There was a lot of couch hiding and getting behind people. I, I'm that person. I will have my hand in front of my face and kind of peek through um, while watching any kind of major thriller or horror movie. Um, video games, it's harder because you have to actually watch the video game to move people so or move your players um but you know i played probably the gosh the first like half of the first game and i liked it i just it just was a little bit too and i i think i also probably got pulled away at the time i maybe another god of war game came out i'm one of those people too that i start a game and then i don't always finish it unless i really buckle down and do it um because another game comes out i'm like oh i gotta try this so um so, and I, I didn't have much in, incentive at the time to stay and play it because again, it was scary for me, sure. <laughs> um, but you know, I, what I, from what I remember playing, I thought it was visually stunning because I had a PS3 too. So, um, you know, I, I liked the graphics. I liked the, the mechanics if I could just, and I'm, I'm tempted to go back now that it's out for the PS5 and try again, probably in broad daylight when I'm not working, um, <laughs> and play again. But, um, but, uh, in terms of, you know, how I feel about it being adapted and whatnot, you know, I share a lot of Alicia's same thoughts. I think a lot of times Hollywood tries to adapt a video game and maybe they even pick something like more, like, a I think was it world of Warcraft. Did they have one? I yeah, think too. And it's, you either pick something that's worst. open world. It's not the worst, but you have something that's open world or um, something where, again, they try to explain the mechanics and how it works. Whereas I feel like adaptations that are successful either have a very simplistic story or there's enough story there. Like, you know, I'm probably one of those people that actually enjoy Tomb Raider. It wasn't terrible, but there's a a general plot. Um, You know, God of War, I am (laughs) a little cautious about. I know that's that's in the works. But it does have a solid story. And it's one of my favorite franchises to play. Um, so I have a little bit, a little bit more hope, a little. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was, when I saw the trailer, I was hype. And right now for, for me, I trust what Pedro Pascal is in. And I'm on board with it because most of what I've seen him in, he's excelled in. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for it and I'll give it a shot. So, um, so I was, I was pretty excited seeing the trailer come out and I probably was on the toilet too, watching on my phone. Cause I do the same uh, thing. I a hundred percent was on my toilet when I saw this trailer. Uh, I mean, I wash my hands. I'm just, I just want to throw that there. Listen, I, I, do I don't think you're gross. Uh, so we all do it. I, we all do. We all I mean, do it. it. Um, but for me, I, I didn't play the video game. 
I ran the reviews that our first TV and video game editor, Luke Calamar, um, I was going to say, may he rest in peace. He's very much alive <laughs> and, and thriving in his career working for ABC television. Um, he you know, reviewed it. And I remember seeing the screenshots from this. I'm like, wow, this, this really could, this could really be something. But that was also around the time, like not long before that was the telltale games about the walking dead. And I'm like, Oh, so we have these games that are a little similar. And I'm like, I, my fear was when I heard the movie, The Last of Us, I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. This is just going to be, they were rushing it. But when I heard the crew that did Chernobyl uh, was doing this, and for people who don't know Chernobyl, that was a huge success for HBO pre-pandemic. They aired it on a Monday night and it set records for them for Monday night shows. Um, it was, it won like every Emmy it possibly could. Its podcast was wildly popular. And so when I found, and some of that team also was involved in Andor, and so when I've heard they were doing this and they cast Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, who I have a soft spot for since they uh, are the voice for uh, Hilda, which my best friend in the entire world does production on uh, and just won an Emmy for. Um, I was like, all right, cool. I I'm definitely in for this. And on the toilet while watching the trailer, like my like my fellow podcasters here, I was like, great, good. I'm in. You know, because I was a little worried about the zombie burnout. I had pieced out of The Walking Dead for a while, for years, and this brought me right back in. I'll close this out. I, you're like an inconsistent gamer. I feel like you play stuff. You have games. I don't know if you've played this. Thoughts. I was going to say thoughts and prayers, but that, no, just, yeah. No, uh, definitely was more of a, like, story mode gamer, um, like, in high school and college. Um just don't have a lot of time now i just play a lot of Warzone with my buddies um mostly because all of them didn't have an xbox i didn't want to play halo that's the thing i never played the last of us i've only heard um the screams from playstation fans saying that it was like the best game ever um so i was always on my radar it was always like something like oh if i ever get a playstation i won't but if i ever get a playstation i'll play it like that's a game i have to play that I just spider-man game two months ago the Spider-Man game is like the only thing I want to play. And of course, it's not available on uh, Xbox. But when I saw the trailer, I was like, this is this looks great. It's HBO, which is like it's not probably just it's not just TV. It's like the that number one place that you want something like this adapted to. You know, I feel like maybe if we had Why the Last Man on HBO, it would still exist. Let it die. Let it I die. Can't. I can't, can't do it. And I, even, and I didn't even, and I, I didn't, I didn't even finish. <laughs> You're such a jerk. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't because uh, it got canceled like almost immediately. And it was so uh, shitty, but yeah, I mean, video, video game adaptations are usually more missed than hit. Um, I know there was some discourse online saying that like recently they've gotten pretty good with adapting stuff. I heard the Castlevania series is amazing on Netflix. It's yeah, excellent. Like, oh, I can't wait like for that. Gran yeah. Turismo. That adaptation will be great. Uh, is it, isn't our <laughs> yeah, boy Neil David Harbour? Camp is doing it. I like Neil Blomkamp. He just, hasn't made, a good, just, not. <laughs> he just hasn't made a good movie since his first movie. Uh, but no, I was just super excited about this. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's true. Um, I had to remember what he did. Yeah. Um, but no, I was going to say, I was really excited for this. Uh, I love Pedro Pascal. Obviously, he's our a Mandalorian daddy. Um, oh, we'll get into and, the daddiness of that. Yeah. Story. And then, of course, uh, isn't, wasn't she uh, uh, Leanna they. Mormont? They. They. Yes. They. Yes. So for they. people who don't know, Bella Ramsey, during the press junkets, 
uh, said she's a, a non-binary. A non-binary, forward. yes. So just want to let Sorry. everyone know Thank that. Thank you. So uh, they uh, was Leanna Mormont from Game of Thrones. Of course. So we got two Game of Thrones alum. Who had glorious deaths. Yes. Two, two of the best. And they stole the show. Every time. I remember that scene got, every time. You get two scene stealers as the leads. Genius. HBO. Crushing it. Oh, also, it's the dude who made Chernobyl, which is like, yeah, that's like one of their biggest series ever. Um, Alicia always will have my favorite Game of Thrones theory of all time about Cersei uh, <laughs> getting pregnant by the Night King and then the baby eats its way out. And Ooh. you and I were both so dinged up <laughs> that we were just like, yeah, yeah. And then Matt Gilbert was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea, guys. We're like, shut up, man. It's a great idea. Uh, simpler times, Alicia, simpler times. Um, so now we go into our next segment. We're going to get into the heart of the series. We're talking about uh, uh, from now on, we're not quiet, we're silent. So, Alicia, I want to give you the floor. Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead to episode two, but episode two kind of takes us to like the impetus of The Last of Us, where everything kind of like starts up. Just tell us about why you were so stoked why this took place in indonesia and everything else just go for it i have a i have a i'm going to go deal with uh my own little velociraptor back here one second what yeah uh so just to give context probably people can't i'm sorry there's dogs in the room they just barge their way in somehow no worries apologies no, you're, dead. you're fine you're dead. uh but uh yeah just to give context my mother's from indonesia actually uh you probably can't tell by my last name or my complexion really (laughs) but my mom's from indonesia and i have this kind of ongoing joke with my friends where amongst my friend circles who do know that is anytime indonesia is mentioned in any form of american media i get very excited um i've never been there myself i don't speak the language i'm an american kid through and through um but I just like, you know, I'm just happy we're involved. I say we in the capital W. So that said, when I saw Indonesia pop up on the screen, I paused it, immediately called my friend, and she was like, holy shit, did I just Beetlejuice you? <laughs> 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 oh, man. But it's, you know, it was it was sick. I mean, in the first episode, um, to go back to the first episode, it was kind of neat to see them kind of build this world of like, hey, it's mentioned Jakarta, Indonesia. There was some ruckus there on the radio. And then you see it two days, two days within the world of the show, um, how it all goes down. And it was also really refreshing to see like an Indonesian actress, an older actress kind of portrayed as a scientist. And, you know, sadly, I think and hopefully it's changing for the better. And but you know, usually when you have these movies that deal with like diseases and epidemics that kind of start in other countries, it could kind of lean out a little bit xenophobic. Mm. Um, so it was kind of nice seeing nice like, yeah. like yes, like these things can start in other countries, um, but these other countries do have people that are just as qualified to deal with it. And and it was kind of neat seeing that, um, you know, shown in a different light. Um, I do have to rant about that scene. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Okay, I'm going to give I wanna, you some... I want to I hear this all. This might be a bit of a reach, but I rewatched the episode. And now, do you guys know about the whole bread? I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Do you guys know Bret about, Hart. about the whole... I know Bret, the, Bret Hart. Bret Hart. The bread theory. Not the Bret Hart theory, but the bread heart. The bread theory. About the bread heart the, theory. The bread heart theory. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the I don't it know. It started that. the fungus. Oh, so, so if I remember, it's the... 
the, the the factory the person worked in was a grain factory, right? Right. Okay. Well, so, it's, a fl- oh. it's a it's a flour mill. So flour, flour mill. Sorry. Yeah. Right. In the real world, Jakarta is actually home to one of the world's largest, if not the largest, mill uh, in the whole okay. world. It's a big sure. flour exporter. Um, people call it the bread theory. I call it the flour theory specifically yeah. for the opening scene. This is really dumb, a little dumb little cultural Easter egg. And I think this might be a stretch, but maybe there's a set designer that can confirm this. So when the police officers walk into the Indonesian restaurant where uh, Ibu, uh, the scientist where she's eating, you see a menu and there's all these like kind of careful shots that are purposely showing like everybody's eating flour-based products. Yes. Rice, Mm -hmm. grain, like all that shit. And she's eating like uh, chicken skewers or chicken satay for like other people who have descended Southeastern, Southeast Asian parents. Um, So it's just meat on sticks. Um, Either way. But when they're... What's that? Whatever name you want to give it, I'll eat it. Yeah, whatever. Chicken chicken skewers, whatever. Meat meat on sticks. Um, So they're walking past and you see a menu item that's like a cake. It's an Indonesian cake that's made of rice flour. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher the fucking name. It's kue lapis. And if you notice on the scientist's table, as she's eating her chicken, she actually has a plate of that. And yes. if it was not for the fact that the police officers interrupted her lunch, she probably would have been infected because that cake is made of rice flour. Oh. So I actually noticed that today. That's awesome. Like I said, could just be a stretch. I'm going to go back and watch it now. No, I don't think it's a stretch at all. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, people, hey, set designers, costume designers, they're just as responsible for telling a story and people put work into that. They don't just throw food on the table for any, for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, they could. Those well, are all I mean, Yeah, it makes sense, though, because, you know, they kind of tease, um, you know, Pedro Pascal's daughter at the house with the neighbor you know, it's here's the cookies. They kind of do this. So I feel like that was intentional. Yeah. And, and I, I like also that we foreshadow, and this is something I want to get into real quick, about the initiation about the game. But they set the rules of why this is happening. It's the brother from the mummy <laughs> and the, the guy yeah. who was the, the fake sheriff slash hitman from Peacemaker who are being interviewed. Um about this and essentially the brother from the mummy turns to everyone and says hey if the temperature of the world goes up wink wink this fungus is gonna do this did you guys like the fact that we actually got a reason like up front of what causes instead of being like this magical mystery tour that we have to find out what caused it or you know like in the walking dead spoilers if you didn't see the show that everyone watched it was like automatic it was like in us everyone has it in them because of some sort of science time oh, yeah. bullshit um so what do you guys think of that that they foregrounded like this is why this happened and it's very because for me it feels more realistic than anything else it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that, like, the world heated up, fungus reacted, fungus attacks us, or clickers, or whatever they are, zombies. Makes sense to me. So, can I, wait, can I, can I chime oh, in? Oh, yeah, we, yeah, you don't have yeah. to ask permission. So the game, so that's, so for people who haven't played the game, I have, you guys exactly. haven't played it, that doesn't happen in the game. Okay. If you do a little Spores, exploring... Right? It's spores. Well, it's still it's still a cordyceps fungus. If you do like a little exploring in the game, 
Uh, when you play the opening, you play as Sarah, you can pick up a newspaper that does hint at an infection that started off from bread, except it was like in France instead of um, in, in Indonesia. Um, so it, it is in the game. It, it wasn't really widely known or really confirmed up until this point. Um, but I like it. I like the addition of it. I think what's going to separate this from other like zombie properties or like The Walking Dead is they kind of establish like right away that there there is no power fantasy in this world. I think anytime we all, anybody who watches like a zombie show or anything like apocalyptic, we all kind of fantasize like, oh, I'd be fine. But you're not. You would, we would all probably eat shit and die because how many times a day do we eat bread? You know, you you would be you would be infected without even knowing it. Well, they even took I feel like they from what I read and what I remember, they even took down the intensity because in the game you could get infected from the spores. Right. From what I remember, you can and like the airborne spores, but they took it out. I'm like, can you imagine if they left that in? It's also like. They, I watched on the behind the scene of the epi- second episode. They said the t- spores would be local. Alicia, correct me. Spores were also, while they're airborne, were just local sometimes to certain areas. So they weren't always around us. And they said that kind of was such an expansive, like explaining the mechanics type deal that they're like, fuck it, take it out. Yeah. And it's just, it's an example of, and like, listen, I know a lot of people kind of got in like a bit of a a, a fuss about a some comments, a tissy about like, you know, some comments Neil Druckmann has said, and, and maybe he could have clarified it a little better. And it kind of seemed like he was demeaning the medium of video games. But the reality is, is video games tell a different, tell stories in a different way than movies can. And it would not make sense if I can walk into a room and okay, like I kind of got exposed to spores and my little life meter is kind of going down, but like, Oh, don't worry. I'm not <laughs> infected. That doesn't happen in the real world. No. Um, also, I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere. I don't know that they also just didn't want to do the James Cameron, like CGI, a fucking gas mask <laughs> over people all the time. Um, which, you know, so yeah. double the reason not to do that, I guess in the show. I agree with that. So let's get into one. Uh, let's get into something that is quite unique about this show. So House of the Dragon was a runaway hit for HBO. The first episode uh, ramped up to about 10 million views. Now, for The Last of Us, it took uh, just about two to three days for this show to get 10 million views. And for the second episode, it had a 22% increase in viewership, whereas I think it was like maybe 10 or so for House of the Dragon, just ballparking that. Al, I'm going to start with you. Why, what is it about this show that we just had this, and it's a massive, it's a massive jump in viewership. Like, what is it about the show? Do you think that like, why did this, why did this happen for this show? Or as opposed to like, there's tons of other shows that. It's the Puss in Boots bump. It's 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 the Avatar bump. It's, it's the no no no. It's, it's the Spider Verse. No, I'm, I mean I'm just saying bump. it's definitely the Puss and Boots bump as as the starter. But like it's it's all word of mouth. Like this, I mean, it is the best form. I mean, or Twitter if you want to say that too. But like word of mouth is the best form of advertising, and this was a not niche, very worldwide popular video game if you played PlayStation and if you didn't and we're just a normal person who doesn't play video games, you might not know about the show. So maybe you weren't tuning in that first week 
Maybe you're waiting to see what the, what the fuss is about. Is it even good? I don't want to watch a video game adaptation. Then you see the reviews. Then you see fans going ballistic. Then you tune in. And now I'm going to watch episode one because it's probably going to air right before episode two again anyway. Or I'm going to watch. I'm going to catch it a couple days later after it came out. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to go watch episode two. I totally sus- suspected this would happen because of those reasons. It is. It's not that it's a risk, but it's 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 again, it's a very niche video game. It's the same thing with like adapting a comic like Wide Last Man or HBO has one DMZ. I haven't watched that yet, but it's like Rosario Dawson, it's critically, tanked. critically acclaimed comic book. Like I'm interested, but as you said, it tanked, didn't do well. So, you know, it's a little that's definitely even more niche. So I would say you get that that bump of just word of mouth. That's why Avatar has already crossed two billion dollars. Did see it. people are it like, it was pretty sick. Go see it. Yeah, it is. I yeah. mean, and Puss in Boots, Puss in Boots has it's doing amazing business. I gotta it's, see this movie. I think that's the Antonio Banderas bump. Um, no, it's it's no, no, no. it's Banderas. it's because <laughs> Banderas. It's Banderas. Let's just leave it at that. It's Puss not. It's okay. It's Salma Hayek. Okay, she's gonna sell Magic Mike Three. By the way, so uh, Amanda, are you? I want to see Magic Mike Three. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll do a podcast about it. I'm sure. Uh, let's. So Amanda, were you shocked at the num the the large percentage in the jump from episodes one to two? I wasn't because I, I feel like Al brings up a good point. Word of mouth. I, I I feel like with social media right now too, it was everywhere after the first episode. Like I think. You know, on TikTok, there was, you know, you had Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, you had people just doing interviews. And I think that helps too, because Pedro Pascal has, you know, such a, a devoted fan base. Like, I, he just makes me happy watching him on TikTok. So I'm going to watch, so I'm going to watch Zaddy now, um, you know, on, on what, what he's on. But I, I really feel like, you know, when you, you're inundated with very positive reviews and from credible sites, that it's going to it's gonna make you intrigued. It's going to make you curious. And I mean, I, I still tuned in, even though, again, I, I didn't finish the video game. Um, you know, it was, it was, you just heard the buzz. And, you know, and again, from, from credible sites and people and incredible reviews. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to give this a shot. And again, I, I think... Um, with social media, word of mouth is amplified in that. So I think that that had a big part of it. Uh, yeah, check out Sam Niles' excellent review series on the Pop Break. He'll be doing it every single week. He's done a great job with that. Go check him out. We might have him on our next Last of Us podcast. Alicia, of course, you'll be back if you want to. Um, any Alicia, were you shocked that it was that many people? Like this quickly, people have caught on to it? Because like House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, established property. It took a, it took a minute. This like caught on real quick um i'm kind of like yes and no right like and i say no because i feel like hbo kind of hits these like tempo beats where especially ever since they've had game of thrones on where it's like they'll have game of thrones or some game obviously now some game of thrones property on and during the off season i feel like they try to find some other like science fiction fantasy um substitute like in its off season so like and I'm not knocking Westworld, but I feel like Westworld was very much that filler, uh, that void that like, okay, like we don't have Game of Thrones anymore, but like HBO needs some sort of like science fiction fantasy property. Yeah. And then now that House of Dragon is not on, is off season. I feel like The Last of Us became that filler. So I, I, 
part of me wants to assume a lot of people tuned in for the sake of like, oh shit, like what's HBO's next big like genre piece now? Um, but also at the same time, um, I am kind of surprised because just for the sheer reputation of like, I, I've had so many, I had to convince so many friends to watch it just because they're like, well, I never played the games, right? And I feel like because of the reputation of video game adaptations, some people are just kind of off put by that. Mm -hmm. um, or they're just like, oh, it's another zombie thing, right? It's another like so rough. That's, that's, that's the thing I want to get into next yeah. is like, we the walking dead at one time was doing bonkers ratings like 20 million people tuning in it has plummeted precipitously to like 1.2 you know like million viewers which but for amc it's still a lot and the spinoff series are like you know there um how did this over how did this one thing because we've watched the first two episodes so let's talk about this like how did the last of us get over the curse of the zombies because we were just done to death with zombies for a while um al what do you think like the last of us is able to just surpass like to get past that hurdle of the the, the zed word just throwing that in there a little cornetto reference for you buddy he's on al you're on mute <laughs> every episode there's something else <laughs> two words pedro pascal <laughs> i mean honestly it, that pedro pascal is so hot right now it's yeah. it's what I mean, he is amazing. The internet loves him. He is obviously from Game of Thrones fame. He is the Mandalorian. And like right now, he is what people love. And I think everyone was going to tune in regardless just to see Pedro Pascal in a new series. Add beloved video game. Add from the creator of Chernobyl. Add HBO. Like it had everything going for it. So I think it definitely went around the, the whole zombie thing because it's like, I guess after walking dead, what zombie thing is left to adapt? And I think the last of us is kind of the last of it in the sense that like everything else oh, has I been see what you did there. Thank you. Everything else has been, uh, you know, adapted or done. Like there was a post walking dead. There was a slew of zombie zombie land supernatural yeah. werewolf everything was that we had in that span it was like twilight zombie land warm bodies like all oh, of that shit was that one great movie. i like that one yeah that movie. nicholas holt so hot right now uh no but but yeah like i think this was kind of like if there was a last breath of this genre it, it's this and and obviously it's a big success um I'm worried that, you know, it's gonna is this going to bring another, is this, is this going to bring in some more uh, zombie related stuff? Uh, I hope not, because nothing's going to touch this, I don't believe. It's a nip uh, I I just feel, I think, Bill, you chimed in earlier with a really good point about the realism. I feel like to me, what stands up about these particular zombies is they're not just regular um, run of the mill zombies. It's based on, because I, I want to say, Alicia, and correct me if I'm wrong, the fungus is real, isn't it? Like the it's based on a real, there is a fungus out there that does that to insects. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's always been around, right? It's but always been around. 
yeah yeah became famous in that bbc documentary that planet yeah. earth where it's like oh yeah. Shit. like yeah so i think that level of realism knowing that it is based on something there is a fungus out there that actually does that and who knows it, it it's a i think just that the fact that there is a little bit of reality based um it, you know kind of that it's based on it's a it's a scary thought because you you realize that this does happen in real life. This does happen in nature. Could it actually happen to us? Yeah, you that's, know, that's, that's my, so Chernobyl was successful, not successful, not successful, uh, because they didn't show the, it wasn't successful because of the explosion. It was successful because of the human drama around it. And that's why this is successful. I feel like the best part of this show, spoilers for an, a later segment, to me, is the most frightening part of the show, and that is the Austin, Texas stuff where we have the fallout, where they're literally running over people because they're trying to save themselves. Planes are falling out of the sky. Everything is in utter chaos, and it's so realistic, and it's so different. It's not just about the zombies. It's not... Look at the zombie ate the guy. We're going to walk... We're going to cover ourselves in blood and walk through the zombies. It's the, it's people reacting within a situation and how they react. The human, I mean, if you watch Chernobyl, there were people picking up stuff with their bare hands and they were singeing themselves. Like there, it's it's like a horrifying series to watch. And now you're in a world, especially our perspectives is now in a post quarantine world, um, where we're just like, oh God, like we saw chaos in the street. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely something, um, it's definitely something we could relate to. And I think that's what makes it. It's the zombies that make, it's not the zombies that make it scary. It's the fact that, like you said, hey, this can really happen. So Alicia, uh, your thoughts on why this got through the, the Z word. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I don't want to like minimize the terrible events that have happened consumed our lives in some way in the last two years and if not the entire obviously the entire fucking world but I mean I, I feel like there is kind of this maybe morbid curiosity or this ability to relate to this show of like you know we lived this last two years in our own little bubbles and we kind of like touched on this like really raw feeling of tribalism within the last two years yeah um yeah which is a huge theme in, in, in the games. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think the fact that it starts off the characters and one, it's, it's a lot bit, of, it's a bit of a more narrow scope than the walking dead where you have like 14 fucking characters and yeah. you know, everybody has their own arc. Um, you're really only dealing with the two characters between the two games. Well, three, three characters, uh, spoiler alert, uh, when you get to yeah. the second game. <laughs> um, oh, I know. But it's a very like, it's very insular storytelling. It's very internal and like character driven. Um, it's singularly character driven. So I think that was also a huge appeal where it, it doesn't kind of adapt, like adopt this like soap opera kind of formula, uh, which was fine for the walking dead. Um, but I feel like it also leads into like that thing I was talking about where like zombie shows can kind of create this power fantasy, which I feel like they shouldn't. I agree. I think that, that's a great point. Yeah, the the singular focus makes it it makes it more real, and it doesn't take. We don't cut to other people. It's just, and especially in that first episode, it's Joel and his daughter and his brother. And that's it. 
And I, oh, there's a grandfather clock here. Sorry, everyone. Oh, no. Um, I just think of Stranger Things season four. I'm not frightened at all. I'm That's in the fine. fucking Skinnamarink house, which I saw that movie, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, nice knowing you. This is your last recording. You're like in the, Bill, I don't know what's going on. And I know this is a, it's, it's my bedroom. Audio format, but you're like in the, Oh, I'm in, house right now. I, I just don't want you to see the mess behind me. That's why I turned the light off behind <laughs> it's me. It's a dark void. <laughs> oh, you know, that's kind of like my brain. Um, one thing I wanted to, so the first episode is an extended, like almost 80 minute episode. Uh, our podcast uh, editor, Alex, uh, messaged me that uh, originally the ending for this first episode was supposed to be the scene where Joel throws the body of the young boy who enters the Boston uh, quarantine zone and they th- he throws him in the fire that's how that episode ends how would you guys have felt if um this is a full daughter podcast we now have the podcast debut of scarlet manorino on the podcast of sophie bodkin was showing everyone her black panther lip balm back there um Oh God! How can we talk? This kid is so adorable. I know. I'm like I'm just here, like Ooh. waving. <laughs> oh. So, um, oh man. So, how would you guys have thought? As of uh, God, the worst question to ask when a baby's around. How would you have felt if they had ended the episode on that note instead of going into the whole thing about instead of ending with that epic shot of the fallen towers in Boston and them going into the the wild? Like, instead, he's throwing a body into a bonfire. How would you have felt like, would that have been, a? would the results of the audience being there be the same? Would, the, would you have felt as good about the, the series if they had done that? Uh, Alicia, I'll start with you first. Honestly, yeah, I think if they ended it that way, I think it, I think it would have, it would have lost people, right? I mean, we, we know this guy's sad. He loses his kid. It, like we don't need to end on him knowing he's sad. Obviously he's, he's fucked up. It's been 20 years of him living in this horrible world. So I think just to, you know, introduce a character like Ellie, that is kind of a contrast, a refreshing contrast against these like angry, gruff old people um, really kind of just captured viewers. Right. I mean, when you look at the Mandalorian, like, a lot of people stayed because of Gragu, you know? Our and sweet baby a boy. lot of people yes. are probably hooked because Ellie is a spunky little kid. And I just want to say, every time she says motherfucker, I can't awesome. help but envision Hilda saying motherfucker. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this sweet, adventurous, animated girl to say motherfucker everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to ask my, uh, my, my buddy if they can get that. <laughs> just have her do it and record it to a character. That'd be great. Um, for me, um, it, it would have been a really risky move to do that um, because I think that's where you lose the, the casual fans. I think there's a lot of us, I think, the four people on this podcast were like, wow, that's a bold move. It really is. Because then you go into the next episode and you, you get everything there. But I think the pro- leaving it on the hook of there's this whole new world we haven't explored yet. That's what's going to bring people back. And that's what people want to see. Um, Alan Scarlett, I would love to know, Al, I would love to know Scarlett's thought about them not ending the episode by throwing a child into a fire. <laughs> he was a big fan of that. Uh, she's got good yeah. taste already yeah no i uh i you didn't i didn't know because i didn't see the uh i didn't watch the uh, the game i didn't play the game so and you told me that was the, like the i guess the original ending or whatever i'm like man that's dark and we just went through a lot of dark so maybe we shouldn't have that much dark um 
yeah i think i it would it's not like it just would have made a sadder moment sadder and it's so hard to take you seriously right now Your i know so adorable <laughs> so adorable. so awake she needs to be asleep um so just give her scotch she'll be fine um <laughs> um abanda uh yeah would you love would, what do you think if they ended that way Oh my gosh, it's so hard to answer right now because she is like the cutest little baby. I, I just can't, I just can't right Him now. And Megan make a good kid. I can't look at. Yeah, I, I'm fighting the baby fever right now. I'm sorry, Brandon. There's, it's, it's, it's going to happen at some point. But anyway. Wow. Um, <laughs> All right, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> yeah, wait till he hears that. Um, so, but uh, anyway, um, you know, I'm going to agree with everybody else. I, I feel like if they had ended. This the episode at that note. It was just so intense. The, the the episode was so intense. It was so heavy. You were all emotionally invested, and to just cut it at that point, I think, especially involving a child, that would have been a little bit too much. I think for people, it would have been like it's going to set the the wrong tone because you know I feel like every time we watch something where things are really really bad, I think it's just human nature for us to want things to get better. You just want to feel like there's a little bit of hope there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I feel like, you know, introducing Ellie and and whatnot, just they gave, it gives you a little bit of hope that, okay, maybe just, you know, and I think Tess in episode two summarizes it beautifully, you know, in terms of you want to feel like you're going to, that you can win, even when you feel like you're not going to be able to. So I think ending it, you know, the way that they did for this particular episode was a smart choice. Let's talk about the zaddy of it all. Pedro Pascal, big straw that stirs the drink type of performance in this. However, I have seen criticism of this performance because people were saying this is literally just a retread of Mando. It's another cranky old guy with a, a feisty little cub. You guys buy into that? I'm going to throw right since you called him a zaddy, Amanda, I'm going to go right back to you. <laughs> well, he, he, the internet's calling him a zaddy. I'm just going, uh, I'm just going with it, but I'm calling him a zaddy too. Um, he doesn't even have kids of his own. So, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I thought about that, you know, I was thinking about that because, you know, I feel like the difference here though, is he's so much more jaded um, and so much more bitter and understandably. So I, I feel like, yes, there are some similarities to, to Mando in that, you know, both of them are, are, you know, both roles are there. There's a little, a little hardness. They both have had some, some rough go. Um, and you have to be when you're Mando bounty hunter. I mean, you've, you've got to be tough. Um, but I, I feel like here in this role, it's a little bit more, just, it's a little bit more defined because again, you're somebody who's lost your daughter in front of you. You saw your whole world collapse, you know, and and I feel like he's a a lot more intense in this role and it's on purpose and not, you know, with Mando, there's, he does it just enough to where you still love Mando and, and in Mando, he hasn't been pushed as hard as he has been in this show. So I know there's some similarities and I feel like, yes, there are, there are, because the, the, the baseline is the same for the characters, but I feel like he brings a, a different edge to this performance. And I really enjoyed it. Like I, if I was there with him right now, I'd believe every minute of it because he just, it's an authentic performance. And I feel like it's the next evolution for him um, and his acting. So 
I know people are criticizing it, but I'm here for it. Keep going, Pedro. I stand with you. Zaddy all the way. I think the difference here is it's a different dynamic. He's not acting off a delightful little uh, green guy. And I am very excited for Alicia as her favorite uh, Star Wars character, Babu Frick, will be in Mandalorian Season 3. We've been talking about this for years. Um, In fact, anytime I see a Babu Frick toy in Target, I send it to her. Spoilers, it hasn't moved. Um, But I think the difference here is, is Bella Ramsey because... She is not uh, an adorable animatronic. She is a living, breathing teenager who comes with all the baggage of being a teenager, comes with the fear of being outside in the world for the first time. Um, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about hers, them. Uh, well, the characters are female, sorry. A lot of things we don't know about Ellie. There's a lot of, there's a lot, of, and I think that's going to be revealed shortly. And I'm, Alicia, I'm sure you know what those things are. And we have the cure storyline and you know it's a big difference there's going to be a big different dynamic pedro pascal there is no code with him there is no honor with him like there was with mando he is a guy who was like fuck it run people over we need to survive i will sacrifice anyone to get what i need to do except when it comes down to test he really doesn't want so so there's still that there's still a, a warm center to his soul, but it's been hardened by so many years of loss and pills and alcohol. So that's why I think this performance is way different than Mando. Uh, Alicia, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, obviously, like, you know, I mean, if you're going to say that, then you could, you got to say like, oh, well, like, you know, Mando is ripping off a lone wolf and cub. And like, like the idea of like, uh, a surrogate single father with a daughter. It's it's a it's it's a narrative trope. And we've seen yeah. it in different formats and different media. And it's it's not necessarily, you know, copying each other. They're definitely influenced by each other. Um, but they all come from the same narrative trope. But I think the key differences here is is the context of the character. I mean, he was about to fucking shoot her in the face. I don't think Mando yeah, was ever gonna shoot times. little baby Yoda in the face. And I mean, I don't know if you guys are like listening to like the companion podcast that goes with the show, yet, but I, will, I think what's really interesting is like the theme, they're kind of leaning into this theme of how like love, like this, this love with like a capital L can be like this really destructive thing and how we do, we, we as humans are compelled to do a lot of fucked up things stemming from love in some sort of way. And and we're going to see that we're going to see him kind of descend, you know, somebody play the games, who's going to descend into like making a lot of hard decisions because he eventually loves Ellie. Like he, he grows, she grows to become his surrogate uh, daughter, but you know, this guy is like pretty fucked up, man. Um, whereas in Mando is kind of like, eh, he's just like, he's just like a tactician, you know, he's a cold hardened soldier. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's seen his, you know, fucked up things, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think it all just comes down to the context of the character. Um, let's get into, uh, our final segment, uh, which is going to be, uh, save as many as you can, our final thoughts and future thoughts on the show. Um, are you guys, uh, just give us your favorite uh, two part, you know, your favorite parts of the first two episodes. Uh, as I must go, like Al, perform a fatherly duty, uh, I will go first, like a selfish bastard. Um, my favorite part is 
it's still going to be the Austin part because that's the part that hooked me in to know this show is going to be different. This show is going to be not your run of the mill zombie thing. This is not the walking dead. This is not anything I've seen before. This is like I said, with Chernobyl, this is not just about the zombies. This is about how we, and like how you said, Alicia, how, you know, love makes us do crazy things. Survival makes us do things and how people are turning against each other and how we try to survive this world. And we see it throughout. We see what Tess does in the church. Oh, sorry. That's the church, the state building. She's trying to atone for what she's done. So she blows herself up. But I think if we don't have that Austin scene that is so stark, there's no music, there's no score. Everything is so visceral and real and just frightening. I don't think we set the tone for the series if we don't that that that, that this series is not what it's going to become if we don't have this scene. So we're going to go Alicia, Amanda and then Al, you'll be last to talk about your favorite scene from the first two episodes while I go be a dad myself. Yeah, I mean I gotta say that it's the fucking car chase. I mean, the car, car, the car sequence, like the first person sequence. I mean, I think they kind of really nailed it and also like adapting it, but, but also like adapting what made it work in the game, not just like, hey, we're just gonna do this like shot for shot, like this switch from, hey, the first quarter of this episode is all told from Sarah's perspective, much like first thing you do when you pick up this game is you're, controlling this child and then it's like this hard switch into father mode and and now the the show is then from uh joel's perspective um i would yeah i think like with anybody that's kind of going to be my favorite part with two i mean episode two of course it's going to be the indonesian scientist like you know how can it not shout out to christine hakim who was in the 2019 indonesian horror film the pedagor so of course Oh, yeah. I loved that part of episode two. She was so spine chilling. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole. I, I feel like just the calm, you know, I'm going to go be with my family now. Like It just, oh my gosh. I, I really feel like she, her performance sold just how bad <laughs> things were going to get. And it just cool. You know, she was scared. But just the way, just that, it just sent chills. That was probably one of my favorite parts of episode two. Um, myself, the clickers. I enjoyed the clickers. I, I that part, you know, because I want to say they used the actual voice actors for the clickers for the game. That got extra points. Yeah. I remembered that <laughs> from when I did play. Um, and yeah, I just... I always am a fan of some action scenes and stuff, but just hearing, seeing that come from the video game to the screen was pretty cool. I thought they, they nailed that for, for the, um, the second episode, the first episode, I definitely, I agree with Bill. I liked the Austin scene one. I'm from Texas. It's always cool when I thought about you the entire time. I I was like, I've actually been over in that area. Um, (laughs) But you know, just the way that, you know, everything came together in terms of, you know, the neighbor, you, you know, they go into the house and the, you know, the, the neighbors, the, the elderly neighbors just kind of, you know, she's already chewed everybody else up, but just what do you, just the realism 
that's there too. Just them trying to jump and get on the high, get on the road and then not being able to make it. But then everything's just falling apart around them. I thought brilliantly, brilliantly done, you know, but those are, those are my favorite parts. Awesome picks. Um, Al. Yeah. So my picks for favorite uh, scenes, uh, episode one was definitely the opening. Um, both, by the way, both openings. I hope every episode opens with a super depressing scene that has nothing to do with the actual plot. Big fan of that. Like, keep going. I think that's really fun. Uh, so, yeah, the opening scene, uh, probably one of the most talked about parts of the episode, too, in an episode that has, like, you know, a lot going on. That was uh, definitely one of the most memorable things. It was also something that was not part of the game and brought in to this world which is really, really cool. The whole talk show um, opening from, I think it's like in the 60s or something. Yeah. Yes. Episode two, I really loved like the first entering the, uh, the uh, like the hotel scene, yeah. uh, which, which I saw was like a shot for shot, almost remake of the game. Someone did like a side-by-side -side comparison. Uh, just really cool. Like, I love that kind of stuff. And like, I, you know, I think, uh, Alicia kind of brushed on it earlier in the episode, like earlier in the episode is like when they do these adaptations, they always think that their audience is the people who played the game. So we have to give them something new. That's not necessarily the case. They want us like we, oh, we want an adaptation of the thing that we love in a medium that we love that we haven't seen it yet. So, you know, when um, Amazon prime did invincible, uh, in uh, you know the animation the, the animated uh, series Invincible yeah. which is based on the Kirkman comic uh, and Ryan Otley that we love it because it's like oh my god they are adapting the source material we're seeing the characters we love and the storylines we love they're modernizing it obviously it's 10-15 years later in the case but like we're still seeing the things that we really loved and enjoyed playing the game, reading the comic book, you know, however you want to see it. So I love that. I love that they're doing that and just getting to see that they basically did this side by side. Um, same thing with um, Sarah's death um, looked pretty accurate to the game as well. So it's like really cool that they're doing things like that. All right, Al, you're not done yet, my friend. We need an official rating scale of one to ten. Uh okay. One to ten disgusting fungus kisses. Oh, good one. Good one. Good one. So Alicia, I don't know if you know, but Al's most of his rating systems are on like body parts being hacked off or something gross. So yes, yeah, so we're gonna do on a scale of one to ten disgusting fungus kisses on the first two episodes of The Last of Us. And Alicia, I'm gonna throw it to you first. Um, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, you're awesome as always. So we're gonna be doing this again probably a bunch of times. So I'd uh, love to have you back on. Uh, thanks guys. Yeah. I'm going to give course, it. I have, uh, I have you reserved for Dune as well. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Gimp Soup Spider, right? Yeah. I'll never live that down. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I give it, uh, yeah. I mean, this is 
probably really cliche, but fuck it. Who cares? My opinion. Um, uh, nine out of 10 funnel cake smooches. Cause those little things look like funnel cake. Don't they look like oh, funnel cake? Wow. Oh, I, can't eat fun- I shouldn't eat funnel cake anyway. So <laughs> okay. uh, that's in my brain now. It's, it's there. It makes it nicer. <laughs> I'm going to be given fungus kisses after eating a funnel cake. <laughs> uh, if you do take a picture of it. Um, so <laughs> oh my god and will you be wa- and obviously dumb question you've given it a nine you're going to be watching this throughout right yeah i mean it's, i know it's a dumb question a I little ask. angry little switch switchblade lesbian just running around just shiving people listen ain't nothing wrong with that um al you you came up with the the category but now it's been usurped with uh funnel cake kisses uh what is your rating <laughs> Fuck, I can't get that out of my head. One to scale one to ten. Yeah, I think uh I think uh is it for both? Yeah, it combined the first two episodes. Yeah. Uh probably like nine point five. I think it's I think the I think everything like across the board is fantastic. Uh, but I have I still have the zombie fatigue and the pacing sometimes kind of bugs me a little bit, but that that's the only thing like the it's it's i know it's supposed to be like this so that's why it doesn't hit a 10 for me but like i'm really excited about the rest of the series especially because the next episode is nick goddamn offerman in it yes it is uh for me i'm gonna go with the solid nine myself uh and yeah i you know the, the first episode was a lot of it was super dark and i was like and I'm having a hard time getting to the second episode because, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the pod, what a what a bad week. Uh, but when I got into the second episode, I was like, oh, God, this is this is undeniable stuff right here. So it's a it's a nine for me. I'll be in for the long haul. Amanda, close this out. Um, you know, I, it was a really strong start for me. And I it was also while it was intense. I wasn't completely doing this the whole time. So that's extra bonus points for me. So it's just the right level of intense and and, and spooky. Um, so I'm going to also give it a nine. I thought the acting was, was really just great across the board. I did appreciate a lot of the, the kind of the shot for shots that came from the video game. Like when she's, when Ellie's walking across the, the wooden plank, like I thought that was really neat. It was beautifully done, you know, from, from the game, I, just those little nuances um, again, you know, I liked the way the clickers translated. Um, I, it just, it, it hooked me and I'm definitely going to keep watching. And that's, that for me, that's who big. literally lives from behind the couch when I'm watching these types of things, I, that's, that's a, a big thing for me to say that. <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm going to be sticking around watching it for sure. If you had any doubt of whether you should continue with the show, we're telling you, you should. So thank you for joining us for our discussion on the first two episodes of The Last of Us. Next week, we're going to be talking about something completely different. Uh, The Goofy Movie, which is one of Al's all-time favorite movies. Um, And then we'll be returning to The Last of Us at some point. And we're going to be talking a lot about this. We'll probably be doing a couple episode uh, reviews. And we'll be checking in with all our guests. So look for Alicia to be back, and especially for our Dune cast, because I I want everything about that from alicia's mind uh speaking of alicia again thank you so much for coming on dude uh tell people where they can find you on social media if you want them to 
yeah, you could try. I mean, you know, it's just a lot of like fan art. It's a lot of Last of Us content. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could find me. Uh, I, I changed my handle. It's A Wineby, like W E I N B Y, uh, shortened it. And uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just love supporting other artists. So if you want to see some cool artwork, some cool comics, I retweet. Uh, check it out. Don't. But yeah. Uh, Amanda, where can people find you on Instagram? At Amanda Lorian, uh, and excited just sharing random Star Wars nerd stuff as it comes across, and um, ready for Mando, and just I'll keep watching The Last of Us, and um, yeah, so just so check me out there. Al, where can people uh, see you doing uh, your version of Powerline Dance? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> you can find. That. You can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram, Twitter for uh, retweeting new tour announcements that happen every day so from much. all my favorite yeah. bands and Instagram reposting those same announcements. <laughs> you must follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. I have a lot of podcasts that just came out this week. Check out the season two premiere of Bill versus the MCU on uh, the Pop Break Today feed. Uh, Alex Marcus and I uh, talk about Daredevil season one, and we interview Rhiannon from Marvel News Desk and the Save Daredevil movement. I also have my second episode of the Anchored in Asbury interview series where I talk to Ed Mayer of Nectar's Presents. Uh, that is also on the Pop Break Today feed. Um, follow the Pop Break on Instagram and Twitter at the Pop Break. Next week, change gears to the Goofy movie, and we can't wait to see you guys to talk about it. <laughs>